Welcome to the CSRG Podcast. I'm Keanu. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to talk about life. It's kind of a weird topic. Um, but, you know, the season is winding down and I think it's a good time to address it because I'm sure everyone is, you know, I think all the area matches have pretty much concluded and uh, Nationals is coming up. And so it's a lot Nationals of people, in Area 2. Those yeah. are all the level threes that are left. And so, you know, everyone's been traveling. They've been shooting a lot. They've been practicing. They've been on the road away from their families. Um, or, you know, bringing families with them to shoot matches. And I think, um, yeah, I guess since it's pretty much almost the end of the season, I think it's a good time for us to talk about kind of what, what goes into the shooting season from a life perspective. And, you know, this is juggling personal life, uh, professional life, plus, you know, shooting life. And for some people, they're lucky enough where their professional life is actually the shooting life. So I'm just kind of... Well, I feel like you wouldn't enjoy, at least for, for you and I, you and I might not enjoy it anymore if it becomes a full-time job. Yeah, it takes away the whole hobby thing of it, right? Because you're no longer doing it for fun. Well, and I feel like if you're doing it professionally, it becomes um, what's the right way to put. It? You start having expectations in terms of what you need to. Yeah, like, that, to that's perform. like a really you have to love your job type thing, and I'm sure most of us um, who work like who are desk jockeys, we don't love our jobs. We tolerate our jobs enough that we can go in every day. We can do our jobs. It's not like a big deal, but especially like with the lifestyle you have to live, being a professional shooter. I think that might kind of change your outlook on the shooting sports. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know. I don't know how the the shooting. I guess the shooting world works from a professional and competitive shooter standpoint. But I'm pretty sure there are output metrics that you're also rated against, right? It's, um, you know, what events are you attending to promote products? How well are you actually finishing throughout the year for certain events? Well, that's how it is with like shooting teams. So not like not even pro shooters, but like the PT team and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh. I think Team Infinity too. Like they have a certain they have to meet certain requirements um, yearly. Yeah, so you can imagine it. It it adds another dynamic to the hobby or the sport that almost will take away some fun. Because I remember playing sports in high school, uh, where my parents probably took it more seriously than I did. And that that kind of rips a lot of the joy out of it. And so when you know you have these expectations put, and upon you have like you. third party expectations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's that's a tough one. Um, but you know, I you know, if you really love doing it though, and you have the capability to finish well, then you know, more power to you if that's if that's what your profession is. Yeah. If I could be like Max Michelle and walk into every match, be a professional shooter, walk into every match and just win by like fifteen percent, yeah, that would be pretty. That'd be pretty Gucci. Yeah, but but can you imagine like struggling at you know the the mid end of GM, like really trying yeah. you, know, you know wondering whether you're gonna be able to keep up uh, with the newer shooters who are coming out and starting to win and you know does it does your contract you know does it depend on how well you finish at the last match of the year you know it's it it adds some some you know some stressors that probably don't make it as enjoyable getting your butt handed to you by an 18 year old yeah like getting absolutely smashed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, I think this topic originally came up because, uh, at least for me, work has been pretty, pretty dominant, I'd say, in what all my time is these days. And so I think Keanu pretty much brought it up, you know, how do you, how do you deal with maintaining a hobby, um, while having other parts of life kind of trickle into. Yeah. And it's not even for, for you, it's not even just your job too, right? Cause like you have a wife, mm-hmm. you have two dogs now. Um, you just bought a place. So, yeah. and like you just bought a new car and everything. So like kind of everything is just like, you know, you're at, like, you're almost at your midlife crisis. Yeah. Pretty and, much. Right. Like I, I you're pre, your pre-child midlife crisis. Yeah. 
and what 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 is it called? Uh, we're technically dinks as well, you know, dual income, no kids. Um, but yeah, no, it, it definitely starting to feel it now because what I've got a mortgage now. Um, I have two car payments, and then you know having you have to, two dogs to take care of. Yeah, and then you know condo fees, having to pay taxes on property, um, and then you know so at this point it's like if I were to lose my job right now, it would be very bad. Yeah. Um, there, there'd just be no way to sustain what, what costs that we have um, if I were to lose my job. But, you know, aside from all of that as well, you know, my work has been way more stressful, I think, than any other job that I've had. Um, and it's definitely shown in terms of the matches that I'm shooting because I just, I just don't shoot as much. Um, I don't practice as much either. Um, but, you know, still striving to win that A-class Open and a major, but I'm pretty much out of time for that. You're getting um, close, though. Like, yeah. like you, you were getting close despite all of the hardships you had to go through outside of shooting. I think that took time away from your shooting. You got pretty close. I did, yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, I, hardships is probably too serious of a word for it, really, because it's like maybe Dude, I don't know. Working, working 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. sounds like a hardship. Yeah, well, first world problem, you know. But, you know, because... The the work. No, that dude, I that's do, a third world problem. That that like that's what the time the Filipino call centers are working. But they also don't get paid <laughs> when I get paid, so it's like you know, it's it's a give and take. But you know, I do like my job, but it's it's very apparent that more and more, um, it's bleeding into personal life, and so work life balance, um, has been taking more precedence than, or so I guess work in the work life balance portion, is taking more precedence over the personal life stuff, um. You know, that's also part of just setting boundaries. And I feel like this is for shooting as well. Um, you know, you just have to set your boundaries of what's acceptable um, from, you know, how much how much your work will bleed into your personal life and how much your hobbies will also bleed into your personal life. Um, you well, know. your hobby is your personal life. Like, yeah. Like that's like a, a healthy hobby to have would be a good portion of your personal life because that's just something that eases your mind and takes, you know, takes stress off of you. Yeah, but, but but I guess as you know, if we were to break down personal life even more, though, you know, you've you've got you know family, friends, hobbies. See, all my um, friends are shooting friends, so yeah, and like, I don't like have obligations to a lot of other people. Like that's the best, right? Is when your when your friends all have and, a common and, interest. Yeah, um, you know, I, I've been trying to get my wife into shooting as well because it'd be fun if you you know we could travel to area matches together. Like that could be a thing. Um, so but, like, I think she's afraid of what she'd see like amongst the like the dudes because like like for better or for worse uspsa is uspsa is kind of like a boys club yeah and there's or like it can't like depending on how you squad like yeah. with certain friend groups right right like it absolutely is a boys club yeah and like she's seen the way you and i talk to each other and it's just like that but it's like <laughs> amplified yeah then you know if we were to start shooting together you know it wouldn't be you know our normal squad i'd be squatting with you know some more more wholesome folks <laughs> those don't exist um but like you know, that's also the hard part, right? You know, especially for a sport where you're where you're pretty much expected to travel for these larger matches if you want to take it seriously. Um, it's a strain on your personal life as well because if you know, I know a lot of the guys that we shoot with, you know, they've got kids as well and their wives take care of their kids um, while they're away shooting matches. But you know, it's a sacrifice that's made on both ends, right? Because yeah, and honestly, props to the wives who give their husbands that much leeway. Um, yeah, like, it's, like going it's away tough. every weekend pretty much to shoot a local match or a mm -hmm. major match or like for majors gone for a couple days yeah like again for majors pretty much you need to at least leave the night the day before the match to get there depending on how, how far the drive is you shoot all day and then you know if you're lucky you'll be able to leave that day so if we're thinking you know a saturday match you'd leave friday night 
you shoot Saturday and come back Saturday or you know Sunday. So you're you're almost eating up an entire weekend for a major match, whether it's a level two or a level three. Um, and then you know for people who have to work late Friday, for example, or even if they work weekends, right? You gotta take time off, and then it, you're sacrificing you know personal time. Yeah. Uh, to go out and shoot these matches, and so. Yeah, speaking of which, do you want to talk about Area 8 for you? Because you were on, you were technically working in that match. Um, right? Yeah, no. You were so, on call. So what is it? I think um, Area 8, I'm trying to, it's funny, it feels like Area 8 was months ago uh, for me. But it was only, what, a couple it weeks ago? three weeks ago, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and for those of you who don't know, so Chris works for a very large um, bank. So he gets, and, and like, I think this bank is trying to be at the forefront with technology. So he gets kind of pulled into a lot of stuff on the non-business hours, which yeah. just explains the weekend work. Yeah. And especially because, you know, from from those who are f- familiar with like ITIL concepts, essentially, um, I work with an ITIL system that manages, you know, our incidents, problems and changes and releases. And so pretty much anything technology related has to go through our system. Um, and so if there's an issue or if teams are having, you know, integration and connectivity issues, then, you know, I usually end up getting called and I've got to call up the rest of my team. We hop on, we, we fix these issues. And so at Area 8, I think it was after the third stage, I had to get pulled away. It was after um, the second stage. And so I remember Keanu sending me text messages like, hey, where are you? Like, we're trying to do stage brief. Um, but, you know, I'm sitting by the porta potties on a call yeah. on, a, uh, on an ops bridge <laughs> with the company trying to figure out what's going on and sending out messages to people um, trying to get them online because you know I didn't have a I didn't have my work computer with me so I actually couldn't see anything that was going on because um, I didn't have a VPN for my phone uh, to get into the uh, network and so it's you know it it's a bit of you know it, it, it sucked right being two stages in trying to shoot a match and then before you know it like I'm, I'm sitting there working for like a, a good 50 uh, it was probably about 15 minutes. Yeah, our entire squad waited on you. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and that was that steel stage. Oh, that was that was rough. Yeah, um, you you, pl- you like you did that stage plan in like a couple minutes. Yeah, and you know, it, luckily it was an easy stage. But you know, that's the kind of stuff that that'll in the end it kind of burns you out. Um, and so you know, kind of going back to the whole travel thing. So I think how many how many majors have we shot so far? If we really think about it, uh, between the I guess the that the like two of us, us together. Shot. Yeah, I want to say about half a dozen. Um, like so, we shot South Carolina. Maybe maybe not even half a dozen. South Carolina, yeah. Area Eight, Area Five, West PA. Ohio. We did Buckeye Blast. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, so, together. so even just five. But the way that they were staggered out it was pretty much local match, major match, local yeah. match. Maybe I think a week like off. for the first for the first quarter of 2019. For the first calendar quarter, you and I were shooting matches pretty much every weekend together too. Yeah. So it's like it's just a lot. Yeah, and like I'm I'm really starting to feel it from like uh I, I am too. Not not from the local matches, but from it's for me it's from the majors. Yeah, because I you know, the the past couple, so area eight, I'm just thinking about area eight and area five alone. So pretty much I drove up that morning, the the day before, right? So we were shooting Sunday all day. Um, for area eight yeah yeah and so i know you guys drove up we drove up, we just drove up a couple of hours before you yeah and, and you the, didn't walk any of the stages you just went straight to sleep yeah I, I got to the hotel and passed out but yeah just thinking about that trip so driving out you know pretty 
I wouldn't say early, but you know, early, late morning to get to the match and then going to sleep, waking up early on Sunday to shoot the match, and then driving back home that day. Um, and it was it was pretty much two weeks in between Area Eight and Area Five, right? It was late August and, and then early September was Area Five. Yeah, Area Five was even was even more of a squish because um, you were leaving because we were leaving on a weekday. Yeah, we Friday. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, that that was definitely tough too, because um, we ended up getting there pretty late too, right? On on Friday, I want to say like, yeah, because we didn't walk. We just decided to walk stages the next day before we shot. Yeah, because we we pretty much got there at dinner time. So yeah, we got there at like seven seven thirty. Yeah, and so even just thinking about that, you know, within the span of let's say three weeks between area eight and area five, from you know match day, travel day, to travel day. Um, that was pretty much, you know, 15, 16 hours on the road alone within the past three weeks to shoot matches, right? Because it was like five yeah. and a half or whatever to Ohio, um, you know, back and forth, you know. Terry 8 was about three and a half or three hours about. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, it's, we're looking at 16, 17 hours on the road alone within the past three weeks just to be shooting these matches. Yeah, that's like a couple thousand miles too. Yeah. And so, I like, honestly, I'm just kind of burnt out from the travel. Um, I'm also just kind of burnt out from shooting because, you know, I had goals this year to, you know, to hit master class, to win some plaques as an A-class open shooter. But, you know, I just don't have time to practice when it really comes down to it. Well, I guess I do have time. I just don't have energy. The energy or motivation. Um, and so, what it, you know, that in itself leads to more burnout because I'm shooting these, these level threes um, and level twos, you know, really pushing without having practice and then you know it, it's just a, a cycle of not i guess missed expectations for performance um, and like honestly though it hasn't like it hasn't gotten worse you're doing better than you should be doing i would agree with that and i'm Especially actually like since you, you've been having gun issues yeah that plus just life you're you're shooting surprisingly well given the circumstances which which is which is also a little bit frustrating too, knowing that you know if if I had all my gear, it's like set, it's there. Yeah, it's and, there. You know, it's it, it's really just you know whether things come together or not for that particular match, which is again frustrating. But you know, it, it's just part of balancing, um, balancing life with you know the other parts of life, and you know it's been hard on my wife for me. You know, going to all these matches as well, especially because we got the second dog. Um, she's still a puppy, so. You know, that's pretty much early mornings, late nights, making sure the dog is walked. Um, and so, you know, if I'm gone for two or three days, it's it's tough on her too. So um, I'm, I'm actually just really excited for the season to be over, to be honest. Um, yeah. We've got two more matches coming up. We've got uh, Virginia State and Delmarva. I have three. Yeah, because you're shooting um, Nationals. Yeah. Which is, good, which is arguably like two or three matches smashed into one, right? Yeah. Um, it's... It's basically one and a half area matches mm -hmm. in terms of uh, shooting time. Yeah, and so like honestly, I, I I'm trying to imagine like what it would take for me if I were, if I were to shoot nationals like I was originally planning you, you, earlier. You this need year. a week. You need um, a week, like a whole week blocked off, pretty much. Yeah, because I think what was that, high cap started on like high cap Wednesday starts, or something on like it starts on a weekday, right? For limited limited and um, carry optics national starts on. Um, 20 on the 26th i think 26 i'm pulling up a calendar so that would have been a thursday 26 september yeah so if you're if yeah. you think about traveling so you probably want to get there on the 24th 
walk stage is the 25th i'm getting to the 25th morning uh-huh well yeah I'm, I'm, fl- I'm landing at like 10 yeah but i guess regardless you want to get there a day early which is on a wednesday so you take at least wednesday off yeah then you're shooting thursday friday saturday right yeah thursday friday yeah thursday friday saturday and then you know so you know you're looking at three days alone uh you know three work days and you need to take vacation for to shoot that match and I, like, I'm just thinking about the logistics, and it like stresses me out at this point. <laughs> it's like, okay, I've got to load like a thousand rounds of ammo. I've got to get it packed up, and I have to get it shipped pretty much by, by the end of this week, right? By tomorrow, if I wanted to get there in time with enough leeway for me to say, okay, if it never made it there, and you know, UPS or whatever lost my package, I've got to load up a thousand more rounds. I've got to gauge them. I've got to get them shipped out. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I actually, I, I have to do that tomorrow. I have to ship my ammo out tomorrow. Yeah, and then you know, I've got to get my guns packed. I need to make sure my Pelican's in order. Uh, my guns are working. <laughs> just, th- just thinking about the logistics, I'm like getting stressed out about it already, and I'm not even shooting the match. But that's just kind of the way that that it is right now for the season, you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of been in that rhythm for you for the last like six, seven months. Yeah, and you know, we we've been doing it the, this this entire year pretty much. We've been yeah. loading ammo, gauging ammo, you know, traveling. You know, we, we've been doing it throughout it's the year. It's just a routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. I actually went I went to go shoot Area 5 this year, which got hurricaned out. Area 4. Oh, sorry, yeah, Area 4. Um, so you did nothing. You wasted an entire weekend. I did. And I, I, took, I took two days off for that match. Uh, it was still nice, though, because I have a friend down there. You know, I just got to spend a couple of days. And well, it's kind of funny. Um, the match was in Houston. My friend was in Austin, so... <laughs> I flew in to Houston, got a car, drove all the way out to Austin, um, hung out with my friend, and then we drove all the way to Houston to shoot the match. But then it got hurricaned out. So what we did is that we drove all the way to San Antonio to go shoot with a couple of friends on the Rudy team at a range down there. And then we went back up to Austin same day to go shoot at another range. And then we drove back to Houston that same day. Um, But yeah, no, I, I took a couple of days off for that. Um, and didn't even end up shooting the match. And I had to, I had to lug ammo. I had to pray that TSA wouldn't be weighing how much ammo I brought, just because I don't want to ship ammo. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a busy year of shooting. And then with the new job, it's just. It's... Yeah, yeah. With for you with work and everything. And then since we also started CSRG this year. Oh, we did. Yeah. Right. So we started doing the podcast. Um, we started trying to like do all of our methodology and everything, all of our stats and everything. And it started out easy. Like, I thought it would be easier than it is now. Yeah. But then, you know, come more and more shooters. Like, I think I've said this before. Like, it's good for Shadowhawk. It's great for Shadowhawk. They're growing as a club. And they're growing at a fairly quick rate in terms of new shooters that we're tracking. But for um, for us, it is it is a lot. Because new shooters have to have so much more work put in. Um, because we have to normalize and calibrate their stats, and then we, you know, we've got to log uh, USPSA numbers as primary keys. Yeah, um, it's 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 a lot more effort to have new shooters, and like like I said, it's good for the club. But um, with the club growing as fast as Shadowhawk, it can be. Um, it it went from me being able to do it in one day um, after work, so like I've been able to do it in like three or four hours to. It now takes like six and a half to seven hours to pull the stats and everything, make sure everything, um, you know, tracks properly and everything like that, and get them uploaded. Post on Facebook, post on um, social media, tell uh, tell the match director, Shadowhawk, and everything like that. So, it's yeah. just 
it's it's a lot. Like it, it's become a two day ordeal for me. Yeah, and I, I remember when we were first talking about it, like you know oh at most it'll be like two hours a week. Um, yeah, like like no like <laughs> like when we first started pulling down stats too is a lot. Like like yeah, we were just yeah, like yeah. oh it'll only be like two hours a week or something like that. You know it won't be much, and then it ends up, you know. But like we spend at least two hours a week on podcasts alone. Okay, but to right? be fair, that's also like that's like dinner, that's beer, that's just like us yeah, BSing, yeah. right? But but you know it's like you know we usually our track record has been like forty minute podcasts, um, and then you know doing just a little bit of quick editing, getting it exported, uploading to Podbean, um, getting all that stuff done, and then you know just even the prep that goes in between. It's like what are we going to talk about? What are our topics going to be? Yeah, um, it's funny because we originally thought this entire ordeal would be like you know we'll do twenty minute podcasts, you know. Yeah, um, and Turns oh, out it's it's way easier to go over than yeah, because it's it's almost hard to condense a topic into twenty minutes, which is I guess why it's probably a a more desirable format to digest. But again, it's it's tough when you're trying to push out the content to do it all within twenty minutes because right now we're at the twenty minute mark, and you know, have we really gotten through substantial discussion yet? You know, debatable. Well, it's like we've still okay. So let's get to substantial di- discussion. So like you've you've gone through quite a bit this year. So like twenty nineteen, all, all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen has been it's good, but it's like all of it just hits you concurrently. Yeah, that like plus like the building, like the built up stress of work, mm-hmm. right? Because like it's all cumulative. So I mean, like how how are you kind of how are you like reconciling that with shooting? Yeah, um, or like, or any hobby in general. Yeah, so I honestly, I think, <clears throat> I think shooting is definitely one of the harder hobbies to kind of have as stress relief, if that makes sense. So you know, usually hobbies are a way for you to uh, not worry about what happened during the work week or all of that. Um, but shooting is unique in a way where there's so much thought process that goes in it and so much prep work, right? The dry fire going to matches actually shooting at a match and yeah, it's a lot more involved than people give it credit it for. is yeah and so you know usually when you think of hobbies for the weekend that you know will help you forget about your day-to-day stress during the work days are usually you know mindless things right it's things that you don't have to think about you just kind of go and do um but like essentially get what, hammered on a monday night yeah <laughs> but essentially what we're doing is you know for shooting we go we're competing right it's not just we're going out to the range and you know plinking and you know shooting steel targets we're going out and we're competing. Yeah, it's not really hobby doing. shooting anymore. Like, like it's yeah. a hobby, but it's not hobby shooting. Yeah, and you know, it's... But but a nice thing about that, though, is really on a day-to-day basis, that's kind of what I look forward to, is, um, you know, go go do the day job, make it through the week, um, you know, take care of responsibilities as a as an attempted adult, <laughs> and then, you know, go, go shoot on the weekend. But even then, it's just getting harder these days, right? Because, you know, we have social obligations... Um, a lot of the times, actually, for our uh, our releases at work, they're all they're all on Friday nights, and so we'll do two Fridays a month at least, where they start at eight p.m. and we'll generally go till about twelve a.m. or you know one a.m. And so if we think about some of the matches where we drive two hours to, I've got to wake up at four thirty, um, get all of my stuff together, and then hit the road by five five thirty in order to make the match on time. And, you know, that gets a little tough when you're going to sleep at 1 o'clock after having been on a, you know, a conference call with a bunch of people getting work done from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. and then going to sleep for, four, you know, three and a half hours. And at some point, it's just, you just can't do it, right? Um, I, I feel like I've been 
I've almost been forcing myself to make those matches work. But at, at this point, you know, we, I have a release coming up tomorrow. It's going to be a bigger one, so I'm probably looking at 1 or 2 a.m. Yeah, and you, and you um, said you were signed up for a local match this weekend, too, yeah, and, so, you, and you had to withdraw. Yeah, so I was, I was signed up for Shadowhawk, but, you know, there's no way that I'm going to be able to, um, you know, get two hours of sleep, hit the road, and have a good time, you know? Because at some point, if, especially, again, like I said, since we're competing, if I'm not setting myself up for success, then it's almost just no point trying. Not to say, you know, it's not good to go out and see friends and, and to shoot. It's like it's worth doing for the sake of having fun, but it's no longer worth doing for the sake of competing. Well, but but at, at the same time, like, I, I feel like especially for for this weekend, it's also just not worth it for the sake of having fun. You know, getting two hours of sleep in the road and then, um, you know, pretty much being sleep deprived on the range, having not done dry fire. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't but know. Like the same goes for practice too. Then like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't give the same kind of dedication either to practice just because the practice is still work. That's still like a certain, you still have to go in with a certain mindset. You still have to have like a certain mental capacity yeah. to kind of approach yeah. it with. And then to be able to process and like metabolize everything that you're doing versus just going to the range, just being like, if you and I just were just to go elite and I brought like a bunch of like 22s, like a couple nine guns that like we don't shoot in USPSA or anything. It would be a lot it, it would be a lot more conducive to your mental well-being as opposed to um us you know, and like you know we go in the middle of middle of the afternoon or like late morning. Yeah. As opposed uh, to us hitting the range, you know, and then hammers down at eight o'clock or whatever or nine o'clock after driving hour and a half or something like that. Yeah, right. Because you know it you know going out and planking right shooting you know. 300 rounds of 22 out of a target pistol, right? You could do that and, you know, we could probably hammer out a thousand rounds out of a 22. Yeah, and, just like do stupid hour, crap in you know? the range. Is just like try and do like bottle cap challenges or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. So it's like, I think you need to do that every now and then. I, I think so. And I do that every now and then and it's great. Like it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but you know, when, when it comes down to my work schedule, right? It's either the, the time that I have is either to go compete or to go have fun. You know, shoot a USPSA match. Or go plink at the range. Yeah. And, you know, this year specifically has been, you know, having some big goals, want to go out to the matches, get better, and, you know, achieve those goals. But I think definitely next year I'm, de- I'm going to be slowing it down quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I think um, you and I talked about this earlier um, this year, too, in one of our earlier podcasts, talking about shooting different divisions. Mm-hmm. And, like, how shooting a di- division, like, because you and I have both been playing around in production. Now you're playing around in carry optics. Yeah. Um, right? They're not really divisions we particularly care about or put a lot of effort into. So, like, I have a hard and fast rule of I don't dry fire shooting production. I don't practice shooting production. I play with my gun. It's like I, I got my Beretta, and I played with it for, for, like, a week or so. Did whatever mods I needed to, and that was it. Yeah, the CSRG special. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, I haven't done any work. Like, I haven't done any work to advance my shooting in production otherwise because I want it to be a fun division for me. Yeah. I don't want to mm-hmm. set high expectations for myself. Um. It's like I, I still expect to do well at a, lo- at a local match, right? Because your skills should largely transfer outside of just slight division yeah, equipment differences. Especially for, you know, production and limited, right? Yeah. You, you, you still probably have a very similar sight picture. It's just with production, you just have to throw in reloads. Your stage plan is yeah, a little and, different. Yeah, and to me, like, the, the, extra, the extra difficulty that production has, like, minor scoring only... Um, no mag wells, 10 round magazines and everything. It, it makes it more fun for me, especially knowing that I put no work into it. Yeah. It's to, so, like, to me, it's almost more satisfying. 
Yeah, and to, to shoot. Like and, for limited, I have an expectation to myself. Like I shot, I shot fifth place at Area Five, which is, which was better than you know eighty percent of the other shooters, but I still wasn't happy with it because I knew I messed up on the first. I had a horrible first day and I was pissed, and it was just rough. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, the first day after after Area Five, after the first day, I was not having fun. Yeah, I mean, you're you're pretty much just like let's hurry up and finish the day tomorrow and let's just go home right like that was the mindset yeah pretty um, much and you know funny enough uh speaking of that day right so even my my first stage i was shooting my atlas i changed out the extract of uh, the ejector um you know i had the delta point on there for the first time um and stage one just like three three really bad malfunctions um and then switched to the ck but then my day two was essentially what your day one was um my day two was just terrible and uh, my CK was starting to have issues with my guide rod. So essentially what would happen is that the gun wouldn't go back in the battery because something on the guide rod was hanging up. And even after switching out shock buffs and cutting shock buffs, um, I, th- I think I had a total of three stages on the second day with malfunctions. And um, they didn't really go away until I put in the Dawson Tools guide rod in there from the Atlas. But then even then I, I finished fourth in A-class, third A-class open. Yeah, um, and like I wasn't happy with it either because you know I was argue I was arguably I was shooting very well that you know for the match despite the uh, the malfunctions. But if if I didn't have those malfunctions, you know I would have probably done a lot better. But you know, sorry, just just venting on my gear issues again. <laughs> it's fair because like I'm sure that's that along with life kind of compounds. It does, um, and, especially, and like especially like you've been very vocal to me about your frustrations with your equipment. And how it's just been kind of like hurting you mentally when it comes to shooting. Yeah, and, and like I don't know, you know, a lot of people say it's like, oh, it must be nice to to be able to just send your stuff off and not work on it yourself. But at this point in time, like I just don't have the time to to sit there and be sanding an ejector until it works because I would never know if it works. Until... You don't even have the time to get your gun back to Atlas to like have it fixed or anything or or to even have it looked at. Yeah, well, well not only that, you know, again, talking about um, you know, financial responsibilities at this point. The season's winding down, you know, I've got, you know, an optic on my carry optics gun now. The CK arguably works, right? Um, it works pretty well, especially now with the, you know, the fact that I took the toolless guide rod out of the Atlas and threw in the CK. The CK works. It uses the ammo that my Atlas works, even if it's a little spicy at 178 power factor. <laughs> but, you know, thinking about all the financial responsibilities coming up for this month, as well as the rest of the year, getting ready for tax season, getting ready, um, you know, to pay property taxes as well as car taxes. Because uh, apparently the the city that I live in, we get charged taxes on the cars. It's the entire ownership. state. Is it, is it Virginia? It's all of Virginia whole? that charges property tax on cars. Um, and so just thinking about, you know, the finances that are coming up, is it is it really worth, you know, spending the $80 to get it shipped, pay the $250 or whatever it is for the inspection uh, for the Atlas, plus parts, plus man hours to get those parts fitted and working? You know, you know I'd estimate, right, it's going to cost about $500 to get the Atlas back up and running for the rest of the season. Um, does it really make sense at this point in time? It probably doesn't. Um, because again, I've gotten a working open gun. And so, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people say, oh, why not just sand down the ejector? Why not just work on this stuff yourself and go test it? But if you think about how far we are from the range, like it's not as easy as, you know. Harder for you than it is for me. Yeah. And like, um, 
actually the most frustrating thing is spending you know a couple of hours trying working on some equipment um then finding the time after work to to hit the you know hit 66 during rush hour spend the hour to get to elite and then pull out the gun load it up and then within your first five shots that malfunctions again that it's it's not exactly uh a nice feeling because yeah. you know you, you spend all the time and then i'm sitting in traffic for an hour one way and then pretty much if the gun doesn't work i'm coming back home there's no reason for me to be there anymore um it's it's also very stressful trying to work on equipment knowing that in order to test it i've got to spend at least two hours on the road uh to test it and so um so it definitely has its stressors and that's kind of why i'm looking at carry optics for the rest of the season and maybe shooting it a little more seriously next year yeah. that's what's nice about carry optics like production dude it's so easy the, the guns, the are guns just, simpler. just work yeah and like you know with the sig if something's wrong with the extractor like i just buy another sig p320 x5 extractor yeah and it's like 35 bucks um, probably right yeah but like you know i've i have four different ejectors right now for the atlas <laughs> trying to get it to work um but it looks like that's not the ticket and it's probably going to be an extractor and then you know everyone's been recommending that you know the aftec is really the way to go right now if if i want to get the gun working but then that's an extra 90 bucks on an aftec that Plus i was fitting and tuning um, yeah but, and then there's no guarantee that it's going to work afterwards so i could spend 90 bucks plus a couple of hours getting yeah the, and then someone's the going to say get the egw you'll get an egw yeah well, and, sw- and swap it in well or... the worst the worst part is is that i'll you know i'll spend the time to get the aftec in and you know tuned or whatever to what people recommend um, but I won't know if it'll work unless I actually go shoot it. And that's either um, waiting for a local match or spending the, the hour and 15 minutes to drive to Elite. And then, you know, I'll find out if it works or not. And it's just, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of done with it for the season. You know, I'm just going to oil up the guns and then throw them in the safe and then just kind of finish out the year. Either shooting carry optics or maybe I'll shoot, you know, one more match Virginia State with my CK. Yeah. Which is kind of where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. Uh, like I, I feel you there. Yeah, and you know it, it's it's just one of those things though. It's I'm starting to realize more and more for a hobby. It's you know your other parts of life when you're burning out at work, you'll burn out at everything else. You know because it's not just yeah because like the mentality kind of seeps in everywhere else. It does yeah because you're just you're tired right like you, yeah you're you're tired you know the the things that are more tedious to do you just don't want to do anymore because you just want to sit down on the couch. Um, pull out some liquor and just just ride out the rest of the day. You just like drink and watch How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, and like that's it's very stress free. You turn your brain off. Yeah, um, but you know it's it was one of those things where I I, I always thought for a hobby, you know, per, professional life and professional life burnout shouldn't affect your hobbies, but it, it inevitably will. Yeah, it, it's um, like people. It's like I'm a firm believer in your work life should be separate from your like life life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people in America have an issue kind of not bleeding them together, whether it's just like bringing a little bit of work home when you're done or, you know, people have issues working from home because they have an issue reconciling working from home versus working in the office and they can't perform at a certain level in one place or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, or they always have or they always have their mind on work. And I think I've gotten pretty good at compartmentalizing it, but like I, I understand like the moment the moment your work life starts to seep into your personal life, it's going to start affecting every aspect of it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's uh, not just, Oh, you're bringing work home after five o'clock. You're, you're bringing work home. You know, you're working until 
you know, six or seven or whatever, right? And, or like you're taking work calls at 8 p.m. or whatever. Because, you know, I've seen you do that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like we'll sit down to do the podcast and you have to, you know, step out for five or ten minutes just to take a call. And it's like the moment all that starts to stuff seeping in, it's all going to freaking fall like dominoes. It, it really will. And, you know, it's, un- it's, it's good and it's unfortunate because, you know, the better technology gets, the more accessible your work is when you're not at the office. Um, for some for some people working in government, it's definitely a lot easier to have that really rigid difference between professional life and personal life. Mainly yeah. because you know if you're working on a secure system, you can't take that system home with you. Well, it depends on like, the government too. Like it, it depends on the agency too, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. for so for for where I work, I'm very flexible with where I can work and like the capacity of work I can perform outside. Of the office, yeah, right. But, so but you're, I'm, but not, you're still... I'm not like beholden to Sipper or whatever, or like you know any TS um, servers or anything like that. So it's it's still like I, I feel like it can still be kind of hard for for people to compartmentalize because I have people yeah. who mm-hmm. like I have coworkers who have issues with that, and like it's not like we have a lot of work or anything, but it's just the fact that they have their computers at home. It kind of compels them to work. When they ne- like when they might not necessarily have to yeah or or it's like oh I, I, I want to know what's going on so maybe I'll just take a peek at, at my emails really fast yeah and then before you know it just cascades into oh this person's having an issue or you know I, I should work on this before the week starts because you know it's gonna turn into a critical issue or something yeah um, but in the end don't work for work you're not getting paid for yeah um, you know but again that's sometimes hard right because well so you're um, not beholden to exclusive hours i am a that, lot of a lot of my coworkers are yeah right so we can only work 80 hours in a period in a, in a pay period or we're not yeah. limited to it mm-hmm. um so it's 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 like a difference but like i guess government's a lot more they're a lot more structured with with how they're um with like pay and benefits and everything mm-hmm. as opposed to a private corporation yeah and especially because you know the, the the way that funding works right for a government organization is a lot more rigid than you know a private sector company paying employees. Yeah, for like a salaried employee. We're we're budgeted every single year by appropriations bills. Yeah. So it's it's not like the company can just um, kind of like deficit their budget or whatever, right? Yeah, and, and you know can do whatever. It's like no, you know we have taxpayers we're responsible for. Yeah, and it's kind of funny though. It's like uh, when I was in consulting, still, um, the hours were not necessarily any better because of the things that I had to do outside of project work. But when I did come to project work, it'd be like, I've done my 40 hours, I can do no more because if I'm not billing those hours to my government clients, and that's essentially fraud to the government on our project. And so it was very easy to say, nope, I'm done with my project work for the week because I've hit my hours. Um, because yeah. you know I'm not, you know, especially because I had a clearance at the time, um, there's no way that I'm risking my clearance to say that I've worked only 40 hours and I'm really working 55. And there was a um, there's there's still a big ongoing issue with that right with with um with people saying with higher up people saying not to bill the hours too oh, right oh absolutely like you it'll be very very common for a manager a senior manager to tell you oh no it's okay if you work fifty hours just say you're working forty and it'll flex your hours at another time and which, then you don't which doesn't happen and all but at the same time like it's not you know when you take your ethics training for federal agencies as a consultant. It is very clear that you cannot lie about your hours because it it affects the budget from literally all angles 
whether you are the the government agency that is contracting with the companies or it's the uh you know the actual the actual the finance teams that are budgeting out and then any other subsequent project that stems from your other project they'll look at the hours and they'll understaff projects in the future and undercharge because they think that you're you know everyone's working 40 hours and they're really working 100 hours a week so then they'll just understaff it just becomes a big I guess it's, it's a circular issue when you do that, but you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's also defrauding taxpayers. Yes, it is, and and that's probably the biggest issue. And um, one of the companies that I worked at, uh, a project got audited for it, and it became a big issue. You know, over eighty-five percent of the project was actually uh, canned because it was essentially defunded for fraud, fraudulent practices. Yikes! And so, you know, I've also had friends who've worked at other firms that are banned from certain uh, government work for the next fifteen years because of bad practices like that. And so it was a lot easier when I was in consulting, actually, to say, nope, I'm done. I've done my hours for the week. But here at this current job, it's You're like... holding <laughs> to a higher power. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, well, I'm salaried, and if the job doesn't get done, I'm probably going to get fired. So... Yeah. Um, well, anyway, so how does that... What, what even were we talking about? I guess how to reconcile shooting while yeah. having, you know, life. Yeah. Oh, I, we were talking about, like, how... I think I said like the moment the moment your work life starts seeping into your personal life, it all kind of just ends up falling like dominoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the butterfly effect of mental catastrophe. Yeah, and and again, it's, it's like you said, the fact that work is now you know it follows me home. Um, there there are times where I just don't know whether I'm going to get a phone call at ten or eleven p.m. at night. You know, it's because it happens. I put my work phone um, on airplane mode after I'm off duty. <laughs> but see my other coworkers when things happen they send me a text message on my personal phone because we're, we're friends outside of work and um you know the it's it's both good and bad because we we try to watch each other's backs and so if you know if something hits the fan at work we're not you know we don't want only one person to have to bear the burden for it yeah um, i mean like from what i've heard about your work it doesn't seem too bad in like terms of personnel it's just like it's just a staffing issue and like a yeah. you know work mm -hmm. distribution issue that's what it seems like yeah and you know the system that we work with um you know it's new to the organization and there's only a few of us with uh with background and experience with it and so we're just kind of held to a not necessarily a, a higher standard but you know we just have more experience than they do but you know speaking about work life coming into your personal life i feel like even if you have a good boundary between your work life and your personal life if you're burnt out at work it'll affect your personal life regardless because in the end you're still burnt out whether it's because of your shooting or because of your work there's a part of you that is just so tired that you just can't go through some of the more um like tedious acts of life i guess right at some point you don't want to dry fire anymore because you're just tired and it may not be yeah. because you're burnt out of shooting. You're just burnt out as a person, you know? So Yeah, I, I get that. Like, yeah. I, I've had, I have, I don't go through, like, weeks of it. I, I just have days where I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I take advantage of those days because if I'm wholly unmotivated to do anything, I'm not going to enjoy forcing myself to dry fire or anything like that. It's like being indifferent to dry fire. I will make myself dry fire and, you know, I'll probably find, you know, I'll probably enjoy it. But if I'm just having a piss day and I just and like and I'm just in like a piss mood, I don't want to do anything. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to drink beer. I'm going to watch TV. That's it. Yeah. So like, 
it's kind of I guess even if you have that work-life balance but you still kind of have your own form of burnout you just need to learn when kind of you know balancing that out balancing your personal life out entirely yeah and and that you know I think it's like when you need a day just take a day exactly and I I feel like especially in in a hobby where essentially we're competing um, and you know we with within USPSA, I feel like everyone has a friendly, you know whether it's you know crass or whatnot, but everyone has a, a a friendly competition going on with the people they shoot with, even though it may not look friendly to an outsider, you know. Oh, it, just, it'll, it looks very unfriendly because you know there, there's a lot of trash talking, there's a lot of this and a lot of that, but really there you know it's you you have friendly competition, and so it's very apparent when you start to fall behind, you know. Yeah, and so because of that, I feel like it, people are afraid to take take the day or take the week, or even take the month, to take a break to kind of pull it all back together. And it, it's also especially hard with major matches because we're booking these months in advance, and we we spend a lot of money on them in travel fees, and in match fees, in you know all that stuff, and like gas and everything like that. And then we have to take time off work if it's a, if we have to take a weekday. You know, we have significant others we have to have in, into consideration. You know, Chris and I both have dogs. So, like, it's just yeah. a lot of it's a lot of work that goes into outside of just shooting a match, right? Because we still have responsibilities outside of work mm-hmm. and like and outside of shooting. And like, I'll I'll definitely admit the only reason why I shot Area Eight this year was because I had already paid. Like all the expenses were already paid for, and I would not get them back. Um, and so, you know, in USPSA, it's definitely a lot harder to step back and say, you know what, I'm done for the month. Like, I need to take some time uh, yeah. to kind of regain, you know, all my thoughts and and get myself prepped for the next month. Yeah, especially if it's like, if, especially if you're competing and like that's like when you're when your competition is part of a hobby you sincerely enjoy doing, mm-hmm. like just hobby shooting, right? It's like it, it's harder to step away from it because you're like, I want to touch a gun, I want to play around with a gun. Yeah, and the next thing you know, you're, you're trying to dry fire or whatever do stuff like that mm-hmm. but yeah again you know it, it's definitely not bad to just say you know i'm not going to shoot this week this weekend i'm going to spend time with my family this weekend i'm gonna not do anything shooting related because i you just need a break um but again when, when it comes to major match season sometimes that just gets tough because everything's paid for every, there's there's like a hard commitment you know it's like i remember very much in college uh, with friends, be like, oh, we should go do this trip. We should go do that trip, but it actually never comes to fruition because no one, no one bought tickets. No one booked a hotel. Yeah, you know? no one's got a car that fits that many people. Yeah. Um, but then you know it gets real when the first person buys a plane ticket or books a hotel, and it's like, okay, this is really happening. Yeah. It's got to commit, and you know that's what we do with major matches. You know, most of the registration opens up early in the year, and so we're booking matches five, six months in yeah, advance. Yeah, that happened in South Carolina last year, because all of our friends were like, yeah, we should all meet up here shooting this match together, and we're like, oh yeah, sure, that's cool. I, I personally wasn't expecting it. And then, Me neither, yeah. And then when, when our friend went forward to the match director and was like, hey, I want to get a squad together of people that were, like, I want to shoot together with these people. And he actually, he, like, he went through the work of an Airbnb and everything, I was like, yeah, hell, I'm in. Yeah, and that was a great match. Yeah. Um, if, if I don't have to do any of the work to for booking or anything like that i'm good <laughs> yeah and um, i'll go and so yeah so like we're, we're committed to these matches early on and so very yeah, early on yeah it's it, it it definitely you know if you're shooting a lot of majors throughout the year it's you're i feel like you're just prone to burnout because you're almost committed to continue practicing continuing to go to local matches 
so that you can perform at you know the six matches coming up for the rest of the year or whatnot. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm starting to really feel that. And I think by the time I'm done with nationals, I'll be pretty, I'll be pretty well cooked. Yeah, and you know that's why it's like I'm looking forward to Virginia State and Delmarva. Yeah, and you're talking about shooting what divisions? <laughs> Limited ten in production. Baby. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So Limited yeah. ten's coming back. Limited ten. We're Ryan in- Flowers, you can eat it. <laughs> We're we're gonna we're starting a resurgence of limited ten in the area eight. No, it's gonna come when um, when uh, what's his what's our racist governor's name? Northam decides to EO ban like <laughs> along with all the crazy people. So just standard ban capacity all magazines, standard capacity yeah. magazines and everything like that. It's coming. It's coming. L ten's gonna be real. Nah, dude, I'm gonna be shooting open ten, like some of our like Canadian Canadians. brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I remember there was a guy who's he's an Ipsic shooter. Um, who came to shoot NRA a couple of times. He was just visiting, so he brought his stuff with him. And uh, shooting open 10. That guy was good. Like, he was he was very good. It just um, sounds so bad. It defeats half of the purpose of open. It really does, but it's, I might as well just shoot carry optics 10 the way it was supposed to. Just shoot production at that point. No, Why even bother? Because then, then carry optics becomes what it was originally meant to be. A 10-round division. <laughs> the way it should so. be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so again, I'm, I'm just... I'm excited to not care about the season anymore. Um, yeah, I think after nationals, I won't really care yeah. about anything. And like, I, I know it, it sounds almost like a defeatist attitude, like, "Oh, I'm just I'm done for the season." But you but, need it. Yeah, and like, I'm I'm not afraid to admit that I'm just completely burnt out at this point. Yeah, it's like um, a lot of the sh- a lot of the the pro shooters or not pro like you know, the high level shooters, like um, Ben Steger, Tim Heron, um all those people encourage taking off seasons. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's vital to your mental health, and then kind of, and, and when you get back into it, you're hungry again. Like you're ready to start competing, and you're ready to you know start trying to be better. And so, so like it, it kind of helps you clear your mind, like clear the slate a little bit yeah. for the next season. And like I, I feel like you know other pro sports has. That, like the other pro sports, all pro sports have an incredibly long off season. They do because if you really think about it, it's almost like a quarter for. Uh, most athletes, right? Yeah. They they compete for like you know. Three Depends months. on the sport too. Like yeah. football gets like two quarters off pretty much, mm-hmm. I think, because they're off from what February until August. Yeah, that's uh, six months. Um, and I think I'm I'm trying to think probably when you think about it, I would say golf probably has the least amount of off season just because they have so many uh, so many large events across the United States. It's like it's like USPSA almost, it is, yeah. right? Because it's um, it, like the the area that it covers is. Mm-hmm is huge and like if you're not competing in the u.s you know they they have um you know tournaments in europe and in asia where you can be essentially competing all year but if you think about tennis right you I mean you might have some smaller tennis matches but you've got four bay matches throughout the year um i don't watch tennis so i have no idea what you're talking about um, but but it pretty much it just comes down to you know you know wimbledon u.s open french open, yeah and, but like in like basketball and and uh and hockey they're all you know, you still get a few months in between seasons. Yeah. And everything like that. And, and so, like, because of that, like, yes, you may be practicing, but there's no... It's not like a match is coming up or a basketball game is coming up where you've got to make sure everything is in tip-top shape and everything is, you know, dialed in. You know, you, you have months to practice, but you may decide that one day you're not going to practice. Yeah. And, no, and you won't necessarily hurt yourself that much because you're not really doing anything in that time period. Yeah. And, or you might decide, you know what, today I'm going to hit the gym instead of hitting hitting the range or hitting, you know, the tennis courts or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But but again, because shooting is essentially a year-round sport, and we have so many areas that have. Well, no I think in our our areas, I think our area and a lot of the other places in like Area Six mm-hmm. get the exception for that because it doesn't it doesn't get cold enough here usually where we can't shoot outside where it becomes unbearable, and we have three indoor matches within the area that, yeah. that all run. So like so since I'm a match director at one of the indoor matches, I don't really get an off season. Which is why, like, I spend a lot of time shooting crap I don't really care about in yeah. in that time period. Or I've had matches where I've gone up, I set up the match and everything, I'll just RO the match because I don't feel like shooting. Yeah. And that's just how it is sometimes. And it's that's just something I try and make a point to do because if I'm too tired to shoot, I'm not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Whether but, it's a division I care about or not. But but it's interesting, you know, talking about off-season for our area. Like you said, we've got a ton of indoor matches. Yeah. And, sh- um, you know, Shadowhawk runs all year round. They do. Shadowhawk runs all year round. Um, but if you really think about it, um, we might get one month of like a true off season, which would be December. Yeah, December is still like I think that's one of the only few matches we do proactively cancel. Mainly because like you know weather constraints too, right? If it's snowing, yeah, and you know you don't want to have your staff come in to set up a match and whatnot. Yeah, but but aside from that, if you really think about it, um, you you'll probably shoot November because it's generally still warm enough where it's not you know miserable to shoot. You might take December off, but then the season kicks off right again for Florida State, the like the yeah, first or second week of from, January. From November, November, December are really the only two real they're, they're, off season months you're gonna get yeah. if you actually if you're willing to travel a little bit to shoot a major. Because the moment January like it's January is Florida State, February is Florida Open, March is South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and then it just goes on and on and on and on after that. So like from January through late October. You're pretty much you're you're booked. Yeah, you you could be shooting a major match essentially every month. We we have been yeah pretty much. I think mm-hmm. April was the only month we didn't shoot a major. Yeah, and so far this year. And so you know it, it just shows you that you know you've got to you know like I was saying earlier like you've got to set boundaries in your shooting life as well because there really is no off season. And if you're if you're booking you know ten majors for the year, um, and you're committed to them, you're you have to stay. I guess you've got to keep your A game up because you're literally shooting a major match every month. Yeah, you're paying a lot of um, money and everything, so you have to stay on your toes. Yeah, and you know, Keanu and I have talked about this a lot. You know, we're really going to cut back on the number of majors that we're shooting next year. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, having shot. I think it was good for us to shoot this many this year because we know which ones were we want worth to shoot. It. And that was the whole point I tried to make this year is I'm going to shoot a whole bunch of majors and I want to figure out when we're going to shoot. And I think you and I have come down to pretty pretty good conclusions yeah it's like delmarva and virginia to us aren't really huge majors because they're they're nearby and they're always like 10 stages they're easy yeah and right? like they're accessible and like honestly you know i i was telling canada about this um delmarva and virginia state i'm i'm literally driving up the day i shoot the match yeah like i'm treating it like a local match just because you know they're as close as they are but you know we're really trying to cut down next year mainly to also draw boundaries for us for the shooting season. Yeah, and we sp- um, we've spent a lot of money traveling. Like we've spent e- easily over what fifteen sixteen hundred dollars on hotels. Yeah, easily, easily yep. fifteen hundred dollars in match fees and all that stuff, and probably even close to that on gas. Yeah, food, gas. You know, yeah. just all the other you know, core water. <laughs> you yeah, know, Pedialyte. Um, 
No, yeah, eating out costs a lot of money at the match too. Like you spend almost as much money eating out as you do actually at the match. Yeah, because you're there for a couple days. Because you know, days. yeah, if you're shooting a two day format, you've got to eat meals for both days you're there, and then the travel days you've got to eat as well. Yeah, good thing everything in Ohio is cheap. Yeah, and the, the food is pretty good too. Um, like money misers, yo, those fried green beans. Those fried green beans are yeah. money, dude. Yeah, and you know, I think if if I didn't take the year as seriously as I did, I think it would have been much more enjoyable because we were in places that we just generally aren't, you know? Yes, there's not much to do in Zanesville, Ohio. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are places that have good food up there and, you know, the drive is pretty enjoyable. And you It's know, a I, nice drive. Any, anywhere you're, like, where you're going through 70 and 68 is nice. Yeah. and like, It's, like, right through the Appalachians. Yeah, but for us, we focused just so hard on the shooting that we didn't really think about where we were, what we could enjoy doing. Um, in those areas that didn't necessarily pertain to USPSA matches. And so I think, you know, it's just something that I, you know, we're going to reflect on, the, I think, this year. At least I am specifically. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to change how I how I book my and, and shoot my major matches. Yeah. but I think yeah. I'm going to end up sh- shooting more locals. I have not shot as many locals as I usually do this year um, as I have in the prior years. And I think I'm going to kind of, kind of try and flip that. Um, because to me... Level ones kind of bring it back to to the more hobby roots. Absolutely, yeah. Like level twos, it's like it's it's just a number. Level one versus level two is just a number, and it's just a couple rule differences. But you know, fundamentally, it shouldn't change how much I weigh a match just because that's just it's you know it's just a hobby for me. I'm not getting anything out of this sport. Yeah, we're not getting paid. Yeah, we're, we're not um, getting paid. We, I'm not. I'm not. I don't even win that many plaques or whatever. And, you know, if you do, you know, what it really comes... It's just a, a you know, piece of wood with some metal on it. Yeah, um, so who cares? Yeah, and again, not making any money. We're, you're, not, you're not winning contracts or sponsors. Um, and even if you did, you probably will not be making money. So it's not like you can turn your life into shooting. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a weird paradigm as a, somebody who competes in USPSA because we spend so much money and time in this sport to compete where there's really nothing but bragging rights at the end of the day for us because you know unlike you know playing baseball and you know you're not gonna get picked up for a scholarship uh to go shoot or you know get get a contract with a major team to shoot no you know, it's, it's it's rare but you know? what major matches do do is enable next level trash talking Absolutely, like the amount of flexing <laughs> you can do if you win a major match. It's not even that. It's just like when all of us, you know, when there are like seven of us that are seven or eight of us at a Cracker Barrel, and we're just looking at the results, just trash talking each other, <laughs> like looking at each other's videos and everything. It's just constant, just berating. Like that's that's honestly some of the best parts of it. Yeah, and you know, if if that's what it comes down to, we definitely take it way too seriously. Then we probably should, from like a mental health perspective, you know. Um, no, I'm sure there are plenty of people who think there's something wrong with their mental health yeah. when they hear us talk. <laughs> or see eight plates of fried chicken hit the Yo, table. That Cracker Barrel chicken, though? It's good. It's very good. <laughs> I told you it was good. Um, but yeah, so we're about to hit the hour mark on this. Yeah, um, but I think this was worth taking an hour to talk about. I, I think so. And, you know, it's... Like I said, a lot of the, the opinions I may have right now may sound pretty negative and just kind of defeatist. But that's just where I'm at at the moment. And, you know, I, I, I'm ready yeah. to just take the time off. It's just been a lot for you in the last year. It has, yeah. And I'm just ready to, to let, let the year ride out and, you know, in, enjoy what matches I have left for this year. Yeah. Um, because what's the point of, 
you know, going through all the effort to not enjoy the matches, right? Yeah, I think I think you get to shoot Virginia State all jet lag too. I do. Yeah, it's gonna be great. That's fun. Um, and so I might shoot carry optics for Virginia State. I don't know yet. I don't even know what um, I'm shooting at Virginia State yet. Yeah, because I don't think I have enough forty to shoot <laughs> limited. I hope I have enough nine in case I have to shoot nine. I mean, we just found another another case of black bullets, so you know, I think we'll we'll, we'll put those aside um, for a major match. Yeah, or for the level twos. But um, again, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Um, this has been the CSRG podcast. My name is Chris. I'm Keanu. Shoot well. We'll see you on the range.